0: Hello, Guilty Feminist. This is Deborah. We are recording our final live episode of The Guilty Feminist of 2021 at Shakespeare's Globe as part of their Women and Power season, 6pm on Sunday, the 12th of December. My guest co-host will be Sophie Duker. Our guest will be Cathy Lett. And we also have music and possibly another very exciting guest who I'm not allowed to announce yet. And on the 16th of December at the Union Chapel, we are doing our Christmas show, Camp as Christmas. I'm co-hosting that with Tom Allen and I can now announce that Self-Esteem, the musical sensation of the year, number one song and number one album from The Guardian, is going to play a 20-minute acoustic set. Where else can you see Self-Esteem, Sandy Toxfig, Jessica Foster Q, Grace Petrie, Jen Brister, Travis Alabanza and Raven Smith on the same bill? I challenge you to find anywhere else in the world, in the history of the world. Uh, do not miss it. Uh, the proceeds go to the Say It Loud Club, which is run for and by LGBTQ plus refugees. Everyone on the bill is LGBTQ plus And... Half of the proceeds are going to can-do, alarming Syrian schools from airstrikes. Uh, You really won't want to miss it. We're also doing a brilliant auction. At the auction, you'll be able to bid on a personalised video from Andrew Scott, the hot priest himself from Fleabag. Uh, Dinner for four with Rob Rinder. Presumably, he'll be able to weigh in on your relationship arguments. Uh, a signed cast poster of Feel Good from Mae Martin. It is going to be an event and a half. For both these shows, check the links in the show notes or go to guiltyfeminist.com. I also wanted to say thank you so much to everybody who came out and supported my live stand-up show at Soho Theatre. And I will be announcing more dates for that show soon if you missed out. And don't forget to listen to our new podcast from the House of the Guilty Feminist, Media Storm, which is an investigative journalism which focuses on the voices that are asked last. There are two episodes out now, one on refugees and one on Asian hate. You can find those wherever you get your podcast, Media Storm. And watch out for more podcasts from the House of the Guilty Feminist. And now, on with the podcast. I'm a feminist, but I'd give up the right to vote in one local election if... I could have either Jennifer Haniston's or Dolly Alderton's hair forever without having to blow dry it ever because I live in a safe Labour seat. Now, I... Well, they're not going to notice that I get the good hair forever and then I've got more time for feminism because I'm not worried about my hair. Balance is out, gang. I'd have to have a much longer negotiation with the devil, though, if I were to give up the right to vote in a general election even though I live in a safe Labour seat. But I think I'd be quite good at that if I had to do a negotiation with the devil. I feel like I'd be like in succession, you know, when they negotiate for things and say, what's the play and stuff? And I, I imagine myself in that situation, I'd be Cousin Greg looking at Logan Roy <laughs> saying... I think you have a shiver about you, not a Greg. Oh, I have. But this, in this week's episode, this is a spoiler. So if you haven't watched it yet, just go la 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 la. Okay. Just, the audible hiss there was like, oh, don't you dare? Yeah, should I? But you have to go la 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 la. Or you will hear it. So everyone who's okay, that'll Greg.
4: make it for a great podcast, won't it?
0: <laughs> Logan Roy says to cousin Greg, "You've got some leverage. What do you want?" And Greg replies, "What can I get?" <gasps> Greg coming into his own. I'm so sorry if that spoiled anything for anyone. Um, but also I, I, I just. You should have watched it by now, it's your own fault. That's true. If you were a real Succession fan, yeah. you, should, you would have watched it by now. What was it's that? True. Was that a heckle about Succession? No. <laughs>
4: yeah. Don't you dare. This isn't,
0: no, no, I'm happy to have Succession heckles. I'm not. I <laughs> won't hear a bad word against a lot of them. I am quite rooting, this is another Rhyme of Feminist but really, but I am quite rooting for um, Jerry and Roman to get together. But mostly because I'm really in for a woman who is enjoying middle-aged kink. That's
4: not I'm a, I'm a feminist, but that's I'm a feminist and Jerry can get it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but why am I Go rooting Jerry. but why am I rooting for any of these incredibly rich evil people to get anything is what I'm saying. Like for me, they're the sort of will they won't they? It's kind of like the Niles and Daphne of the show. Yeah,
4: and Roman's doing a real coy act this episode, sorry, he is, and it's adorable. But um well, I mean of course, yeah, obviously they're all deplorable, but at least they're self-aware about it. <laughs> Not and also those, scene, those sex scenes are hot.
0: But why? But they are. But I know. Why? That's what but I think are. about it. I fancy Roman, but why? Like, oh, I fancy Jerry. I fancy Jerry and Roman. But th- I think, I did say mm. on the Succession podcast, Fire Crotch and Normcore with Sarah Barron and Jeff Lloyd, I did it's say a very good podcast. that the, my ultimate, because they said, who is your Succession? If you could have sex with anyone, who would it be? Yeah. And I said it would be a threesome with Jerry and Shiv. And they pointed out that Jerry is Shiv's godmother. And then I felt bad. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. So she taught her well? Like, what's the... That's not a bad thing, is it? No, not according to her. They're
4: not related. (laughs) That's fine. Godmothers aren't real. (laughs) It would have to be indoors. Those women need sun cream. But it'll be fine. that will be great. Mm. Interesting.
0: These are just some suggestions for succession fan fiction for you.
4: I now have such a strong visual that we should probably move on. Here's what I'd say. I'd give up a general election vote forever if I didn't have to blow dry my hair ever again. There, I said it. And you know what? I think I would convince more people to
0: vote the way I wanted them to with my excellent hair. (laughs) Oh, so (laughs) you're going to go around proxying your vote. So you give up the right to vote. You never have to blow dry again. Yep. But you think that the chicness of your hair is going to convince others to vote your way. Also think how early I am out the door, Deborah.
4: I'd be up in the morning convincing people before nine
0: o'clock. Good to go. I, so here's my genuine... That's my deal with the devil, and I'm fine with it. I mean, she might be listening. Um, we can, but hope. You, can I just say, though, would you, and I'm asking you this really truly, yeah. would you use that extra time that you didn't have to worry about your hair, blow-dry your hair, hair is everything, Anthony, would you actually use it for activism and feminism? Yes. I don't believe you.
4: Okay. Okay. <laughs> I would use half the time to wank, Deborah, but the rest of the time... Okay, thank you. <laughs> with my all increased... I wanted to hear. We are, honest, we are honest here at the Guilty Feminist. But I've been looking at myself with... De- with I was going to say with Deborah francis Wyson's hair, which would also be fine, but I, uh, with
0: Rachel's hair... Oh, my hair. God. Don't give up your right to vote for my fucking hair. It <laughs> takes ages. There's so much of it, and it doesn't do what you want. I need to get... But in this, okay, fine. Dolly Orton or Jennifer keep... Aniston. That's
4: the hair you want. Jennifer probably makes more sense for my colouring. <laughs> We're giving this a lot of thought. You should be a feminist. We are. Sorry, but. yes. I'm a feminist, but. I am a feminist, but. I have absolutely no interest in hearing Jolene's version of events. <laughs> None whatsoever.
0: Are we not, though, forgetting that the real. I feel like the real villain in this piece. He's neither Jolene nor Dolly, but in fact, my man. What kind of what yeah. kind of hunt is he that he's yeah. playing off these two women against? I just each other? don't want to know either of them. Okay. I don't think that's much solidarity. I feel like... It's not, I'm a feminist, but... I know, that's fair enough. Yeah, that's true. That's if true. I was a
4: feminist, yeah,
0: obviously, he can do one. But yeah. in the you meantime, just, you, I'm with Dolly every time. Actually, I sort of do know what you mean now that you've said that. Do you because know what I mean? Dolly... If Dolly's telling us the story, you don't go go. Oh, we'll see it from Jolene's point of view. You're right. Do you know what I mean? You so don't. Solidarity should be with Dolly. I agree. Yeah.
4: If you're any kind of feminist, Dolly Parton's your number
0: one. You heard that here. <laughs> we might get T-shirts that say that. Guilty feminist T-shirts. If you're any kind of feminist, <laughs> any kind, <laughs> any kind, Dolly Parton's your number one. Okay. I thought that would get more support. I'll be hey. honest with you. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Good. Good. Okay, all right. Sorry, my phone's locked. And it doesn't, my face ID, all I do is stare at, into the eyes of this fucking phone. Day and night. The so, eyes! And then it goes, the I don't know who you are. And I'm like, who do you know? We're in a monogamous fucking relationship. <laughs> the eyes of the phone. Well, you know, when it says face ID, and sometimes it doesn't, it says I don't recognize you. And I'm like, how?
4: That's rude. How can you not are rich. Rec- That's I mean, rich. all
0: I do is look at you.
4: Is in the morning? <laughs> My just, phone doesn't recognize me in the morning, and I find that really pass ag. Uh, I'm like, fuck off.
5: Uh, uh,
0: Do you know what I mean? It's rude. Go on, please. Okay. I'm a feminist, but last night I won the Game Changer Award at the Comedy Women in Print Awards. <laughs> Thank you. So far, just to brag. Um, co- commonly known the quips. And today, I've got to admit, I'm a little crazed with power. Um, <laughs> So, uh, mostly, I've just been going around thinking, yeah, I'm a fucking game changer. That's a game. I'll change it. Like, Monopoly. I'm going to fuck you up. Um, I I was just thinking this morning, you know, hungry hippos, what the fuck is that about? Like, are you looking at the hippos and going, oh, they're fat, so therefore they must be hungry? Are you, like, stereotyping and body-shaming hippos? Because in a very real way, that is just the shape of a hippo's body. I'm going to change that game. I'm going to call it Mindfully Eating Hippos. (laughs) Game Changed. Doesn't have the same alliteration. No, nope, don't care. I'm a game, changer. A game changer. Listen, games have already got too much alliteration. I'm changing the game. Is
4: the power from the Game Changing Award
0: or the tie? The tie? Oh. Yeah. Well, the tie, I think, has come out because of the award.
4: Oh, interesting. <laughs> it's a sort of patriarchal... Chicken egg. Yeah. Interesting.
0: Also, I'm very into sort of that... sort of You know, Harry Styles and and the sort of gender fluidity a gender expression movement that's going on at the moment, mm-hmm. I'm finding both empowering, also just sexy. sexy. Thank you very much. It's so um, sexy. <laughs> sexy, yeah. It's sexy. It's sexy. And I just love that there are people in who is as cool and powerful as Harry Styles. So he is powerful. He's influential. Coming out on stage and going, there's nothing risible about this. There's nothing funny about this. I'm going to play this with absolute earnestness and dedication. I'm going to sing this. Because how much easier is it for a kid at school who no one's expecting to wear a skirt to the school disco, to wear a skirt to the school disco, and then you're making fun of them, you're making fun of fucking Harry Styles. Yeah. you cooler than Harry Styles, are you? You're fucking cooler than Harry Styles. I want to go to school discos now so I can kind of bully kids who are bullying kids yeah. with pictures of Harry Styles. I very much
4: picked that up from you. Like yeah. you, you, It felt like you'd, you'd rehearsed that, like you were good to go. Yeah, you know I've, what got, I mean? I've like, got the outfit. You <laughs> think you're cooler than Harry Styles? <laughs> I'm like, wow, that would be an intense energy at a school disco. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I'm just going to
0: carry on with the game as it is. I'm sorry, Deborah. No. Why? Why am I there? That's the question. That is a bigger got. question. What, it's is a bigger it? A, question. I am inappropriately there. It's a like
5: secondary school,
4: at least. Neither are appropriate. I don't know why I qualified.
0: <laughs> you go.
4: I'm a feminist, but today I built a cupboard, and I spent most of the time doing that, wishing my dad was doing it for me instead. <laughs> I mean, or indeed any man. Just, I just thought. I wish a man was wasting his life this way Mm. and not me
0: I absolutely hear that and would have forced a man to do it do you
4: know what the worst part was no my girlfriend wasn't even in so I got no credit
0: what do you mean wasn't even in when she came back did you not go oh look I've built this she didn't come back I hope she comes back (laughs) That's what's a little worrying. Oh. You I think well, you sh- sh- that's, did um, you not make like, make a little video of yourself doing it so she could see you being No, I I didn't. Sort of... I'm
4: not sure I'm that body confident that I'd be like, Someone should film this. Um, <laughs> yeah, But
0: yeah, no one witnessed me do it. So you, sh- you could have got a task rabbit in and then told her you you did what's it. It's a task rabbit. Oh. Well, the response from the audience will tell you, you do need is to know. It it's not like, like a rampant rabbit. Okay, that, but, but their their response did make it sound like it was a rabbit. It sounded rabbit rabbit. like a sex toy. No, no, no. That was more specifically named. No, task well, specific. I don't know. I mean, maybe you cannot order a task rabbit for that. I don't know. But as far as I know... What are the task rabbits? It's just a person that comes to the house and does odd jobs. But now it sounds... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Do you mean like a handyman? <laughs> now that's, Which that also still sounds rude. i that I've said it that way. A handyman still sounds rude. Yeah, it does. And now everything it does. sounds rude. Um, I, uh, not rude. Rude is the wrong word. Why are they uh, called rabbit? Se- sexual. Um, Which is no. perfectly fine. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah they're called TaskRabbits. I don't know why. It's just the name of the app. If you need shelves putting up, go on TaskRabbit. You'll see a load of people. It's like Tinder, but for hanging pictures. <laughs> Gosh yeah okay that's
4: funny. cool <laughs> I love that this woman didn't laugh but instead went that's funny
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm okay, to your to hear that kind of people I've been on Zoom for so long I'm delighted to hear people specifically spell it out for me that's funny thank you I need that validation and listen now if you don't say that's funny I'm going to think was that not funny <laughs> I might sometimes come to you and just look for some like just yeah. nod if it's funny. Thank I you. love an ongoing actual review as the gigs happen. Yeah, <laughs> listen if it's
4: like this one. I'm rich. Yeah, it. it's fine. Super A woman winter. almost lying down, just shouting, That's funny. Um, <laughs> where are you from? New York. <laughs> wandsworth no you're that's not. not a wandsworth voice to think about how they
0: say it here which is what i have to do so i know you fucking orange you're sort of you're sort of reclined like you're on a chaise long as well i'm loving your whole yeah. attitude it's fantastic i want to be you they don't have vocal fry in wandsworth that's a californian if ever i heard i, remember, I thought it was a bit new more new york you know that sort of you know welcome to the theater guild awards ah. I felt like that to me. i'm a feminist i'm But tonight, I asked our amazing guest, Soph (laughs) Kalustian. Thank you. Would you like to prepare backstage in the wings while Catherine and I do the first half of the show? Or would you like to watch the show from the theatre? And she said, If it's all right with you, I'll watch. And I said, That's what she said. I just sort of looked to the ground. Like. Right. She said, I'd, I'd like to watch. She said, no, she said, I'd like to watch. If it's all right with you, I'd like to watch. And it was something like the turn of phrase, I'd like to watch,
4: that Don't I'd heard her. before.
0: Don't put it on her. Don't put it on No, no, no. <laughs> no, she was very innocent with her, in her desire to watch, but it just was the way she said, I'd like to watch, that made me think, I've heard that before somewhere.
4: <laughs> somewhere specific. After I ordered a TaskRabbit on the mm. app. Good. <laughs> As um, Roman said to me as I got into bed with <laughs> shit and Jerry. Oh, he would watch. And I'd mm. watch that episode. The point is, I, uh, I'm a feminist, <laughs> mm. but I'm also a really bad driver. <laughs> Both can be true,
0: guys. Both can be true. I am such a bad driver now. I didn't yeah. used to be, but I'm out of practice. And okay. I tried to drive a carload of people to Latitude. And I went on a motorway and hadn't been on a motorway for years. And I ended up, oh. In Changing a very, the game? oh yeah <laughs> we had to pull over to a roadside service station and put someone else on the insurance so they could drive us the rest of the way and it was the only man in the car no 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 you didn't you oh, no, said, pe- are people actually walking out? I feel like that was such a response. You pulled into the hard shoulder and were like, we sit here till, we, till somebody else is in short no, of the car. No, I, I, I think I was sort of trying to get off one road onto another and I wouldn't go out. I just didn't have the courage to go out. And they were like, go now, go now. So instead I got stuck on a hard shoulder and everyone was oh, screaming Debra. thinking we were going to be killed. Yeah. And then the only. Man, we die. That's and then insane. the only man in the car. I think. I think there were two women in the car who couldn't drive, didn't have licenses. Classic us. And then, there, <laughs> and there was a man, and he was like, "I will drive," but we had to get him on the insurance, so we had to pull over at a roadside service station and wait half an hour. I'm not proud, mm-hmm. but I am honest.
4: Yes, yes. I and must that should be applauded.
0: Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Live from the Soho Theatre, The Spontaneity Shop presents The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis White. Guest host Catherine Bohart. Now very special guest, Soph Galustian, talking about learning being cyclical. This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists, our hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. I'm Deborah Francis White, with me is Catherine Bohart, and we are talking about learning is cyclical. And uh, this is something Catherine and I were talking about uh, in anticipation of this show, that learning is cyclical, you think you've learnt, and then you think, oh, I'm past that now, and then it fucking comes back. Um, so uh, in anticipation of bringing on the guest, instead of me doing stand-up, I'm just going to do a one-minute poem. It's not really a poem, it's a sort of performance piece, because our guest is a poet. So, okay. So I thought, you know, I'll do this less well than her. And... Uh, <laughs> just realised what I've done. It's yeah. very welcoming. That's um, nice. Le- this is on the theme of learning a cyclical and it's called <clears throat> Why Does Confluence Arrive Just As Collagen Is Leaving the Building? <laughs> I finally learned to love my face with all its roundness and undulations. Even the parts the patriarchy told me aren't symmetrical and so can't be lovable. I learnt to love that my face needs sizable earrings to frame it. Because delicate ones get lost on me, as my mother told me when I turned 16 and tried to borrow my sister's delicate silver pearly pins. Get lost on me, like they'd gone orienteering on my huge mountain of a head. And were now gasping for water, making SOS signals. I hope that is the laughter of a large-headed person. (laughs)
5: Laughing
0: in solidarity. I... (laughs) I learned to love that my head was like Mount Rushmore. It made me feel stately and important. I learned to love my high cheekbones like ski slopes and admire them as others did. I learned to accept them and compliments. I learned to love my face, finally. And three weeks later, it started to change. And now I'm like, what the fuck is this? I liked my old face. I loved it. I always loved it. I realize that now. My jawline still looks sharp in photos because I know my angles. As a photographer once told me in a slightly judgmental voice, as if that made me vain. With a tone that implied being vain is a bad thing, when really it's just a hyperbolic form of self-love that's hard won. I've learned to love my still posed face, but suspect, and always have done, that I'm better looking in photos than real life. I'll never know for sure unless I have an out of body experience, but if I do, I'll be too busy judging my body to notice my face. (laughs) But when I animate my face on a video now, somehow it does not look like me anymore. I will have to learn to love my face from scratch because it is slightly new. If it takes me as long to like my new face as it did to like my old face, I might be dead before I get there. (laughs) So I'd better learn faster, before it changes again, and I decide this one was perfect. Why does confidence arrive just as collagen as leaving the building? Maybe you only need one or the other. Thank you. Together, alive and warm and real and touchy and not at all like on a Zoomy, horrible screen. I found the shows very difficult via Zoom because it's just hard to be funny in pyjamas. And I I tried to get out of them. It's not like I didn't make the attempt, but I never did. So here we are, not in Um, pyjamas. Just a cheer for no (laughs) pyjamas. Absolutely. On the podcast, that's going to sound like we're naked, but uh, did anyone do anything feminist in the last, you know, through through the lockdown or or just before or just after anyone do anything feminist? And can I just start by saying, I don't want anybody too good to answer first. (laughs) And the reason I say that is recently I was at the South Bank and the first person who put the hand up was Jamie Klingler from Reclaim These Streets. And she said, yes, I've just raised half a million pounds to take Cressida Dick to court because she stopped us having a vigil. And then no one else wanted to say anything. <laughs> so I'm not saying you can be too good a feminist. I'm saying you can speak too soon. You could be too early a feminist. So I'm looking for a, the smallest act of feminism possible so that the others in the room feel reassured and they think, oh, yeah, I can do better than that. Um, so can I have the house lights up a tiny bit, otherwise I can't really see anybody? Great. Not so much as to scare them. I don't want anyone to feel exposed because someone might have worn their pyjamas and now they're going to be like, oh, shit, I didn't know it was a dress code. Um, Is the house lights up a tiny bit? No, I can't. OK, never mind, never mind. Um, Listen. I mean, that's such a. I'm so sorry. This is a real. I'm a feminist, but never mind. Never mind. No need for the house lights. I'm so sorry to have troubled you. There are men in the booth. I don't want to trouble them. I don't want to trouble them. I don't want to trouble any of the men in the booth. Also, I've assumed there's men in the booth. There might be women in the booth, and now I've just I've just I've misgendered the whole of the lighting booth. Um, Who's in the booth? Yeah, it's meant to be girls. <laughs> girls. Um, uh, can, we, can, uh, can we have the house lights up a bit or no? Are they? <laughs> that can't be house lights up, can it? Oh, okay. Hey! Now I can see the audience. Uh, so if you've done something feminist, but something that won't intimidate others, uh, just pop your hand up. Anyone thinks they've got a... Yes? I did a women in art course. A women in art course. Okay. All right. Great. But what we're looking for is something like, I let my eyebrows grow out during the lockdown. Do you know what I mean? Something like, something that's a women in art course. That seems like a commitment. It seems like, did you show up for it every week? Yeah, no. I'm sorry. As much as we love that, I can see faces of panic all around. I didn't do a fucking course. I didn't know how to go to college. I didn't know how to, was this after? Do you have a job as well? Nobody's buying it they, She signed up for a course Did it cost money? A small amount Okay Did you have homework? Okay So it was just You turned up So was it, were you just watching TED Talks essentially? Because if so We might be able to allow it And also You're wearing A power to the girls shirt You've come prepared Come prepared I'm looking for A smaller act of feminism Than that Yes Ooh. <laughs> so it started off, and I was thinking, what? That's better than hers. But then it tailed off at the end. It's like a pure act of guilty feminism, that is, isn't it? So the student you mentored went to uni. Yeah, she had her first year lockdown. I felt really sorry for that. So you sent her not Sylvia Plath, not Virginia Woolf, not Maya Angelou. You sent her vodka. 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 <laughs> yeah, okay, we're going to go with that one. We're going to go with that one. We're going to go with that one. I like you. I would like you to mentor me. Because vodka is actually my drink. And in some very real ways during the lockdown, I did need a mentor. Where were you then? That's all I'm asking. What do you do? I'm a law student. Oh, you're a law student. So you're a, were you mentoring a younger law student? No, it's actually a district but... literature, Oh, were you helpful in any way, or did you? Sh- I think you just. I think you just got her smashed. Is that a mentor, or is that an older, irresponsible drinking buddy? That's a very loose, loose use of the word mentor. Were you mentoring her in ways of sort of helping her with her UCAS form and stuff? Yeah, from when she was fifteen, so it's been quite a while. Uh, and, 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 and how old was she when you started supplying the alcohol? <laughs> Only eighteen. Okay, great, great, great. Has anyone got one final one that is slower than that? More minuscule than that—the most minuscule act of feminism. Yes. Um, I stopped shaving my bush, and I work out if I need to shave it tomorrow for my smear test. <laughs> and we have a winner! Thank you very much. Um, Sorry, what's your name? Or oh, <laughs> maybe you don't know to say. You can make. You can, You can make up a name. I'm proud of it. My name's Neve. She just said, if you didn't hear that at the back, um, Neve just said, in case you didn't hear it at home, (laughs) I gave up shaving my bush. And I'm trying to work out if I need to shave it tomorrow in anticipation of my smear. Um, Was that the exact words? Similar. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, Are you ready for the show? Then please welcome to the stage, my incredible co-pilot for this evening. It's the wonderful Catherine Bohart!
4: gosh, the American woman sat up. It's getting real, guys. This is exciting. Hello, I'm Catherine. Did you have a good apocalypse? (laughs) Sweet. Mine was dog shit. Here's the thing. I got broken up with in my second second lockdown. We were all in the same ones in lockdown two and uh, lockdown three. That meant I had to do therapy Um, in lockdown. Anyone else do it in lockdown? (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. Only this audience would be like, yes. (laughs) Good. Of course we did. Um, You had to do it on Zoom. Comedy on Zoom was, I think, just about okay. Therapy on Zoom. (laughs) That's not where that belongs, is it? Because I think the thing about therapy is usually you kind of go through a couple of steps that make the whole facade feel like you could really change your life, right? Like you go to a generic room with white walls and a cushion that could be any age, and a lady and a cardigan and art that says nothing, and maybe a curtain on a window or just a wall. And that's fine. uh, But you know that the act of doing that makes you feel like, yeah, this is my time, right? On Zoom, it doesn't work like that. On Zoom, well, on Zoom, the main problem is that you can see into the therapist's house. And that, that means you know they can't help you. Um, <laughs> now, I had a lovely therapist. Her name was Lisa. Lisa did her best. Um, but Lisa's Christmas tree... <laughs> was up until march <laughs> that's not a well woman <laughs> lisa can't help me she did her best but it just didn't work when you could see in um and I, I really needed therapy during lockdown i should say um i thank you for going with the mental health stuff it means i feel like i can comfortably talk to you about um speaking to myself uh, which i did a lot during lockdown. anyone else live alone during lockdown yes did you talk to yourself sweet okay i did uh, a lot of people are like i just sang oh i can't sing OK, so I talked to myself. I think that's fine. I was usually just like like telling myself what I need to do during the day. Um, and I, you know, I, I wanted to use my lovely voice. I didn't want to lose my accent could end up sounding like Alexa. I thought, no, I'm going to keep talking, going to keep talking. I'm going to keep it. But I, I did talk to myself. I think that's fine. I think it's perfectly fine to talk to yourself. Frankly, I think more of us should do it. I mean, I don't think I think there's a, a line. Like, I don't think you I don't think it should be the best chat you have in a day. I, don't, I think there's, like, signs that it's gone too far. Like, I don't think you should learn anything. You know what I mean? There should be, shouldn't be any new information in a chat with yourself, is what I think. I think at the point at which you say, oh, really? Stop talking to yourself. That's my line. Um, but I did. I needed the therapy. And I needed the therapy, I thought, because of my breakup. But actually, um, something happened during lockdown that I didn't want to admit to myself, which is I have obsessive-compulsive disorder. And... Um, it, it tends to be triggered by change and stress, but, I mean, thankfully, haven't experienced any of that. And so... Um, but I, I didn't want to admit to myself that it might need dealing with again because I've already dealt with it. And um, the type of OCD I have is called perfectionism, which sounds like a joke, um, because it sounds good, right? Perfectionism, as OCD, sounds a bit like if you say your eating disorder is like model's disease. It's like, that sounds... That sounds fine. You're a guilty feminist audience. Come on, we can laugh at that. It's fine. <laughs> I just feel like it sounds like a good thing, but it's not. And um, and the problem with perfectionists is that we tend to be very, very good at recovery. Like the best at recovery. <laughs> we're so good at recovering. Like we're ace at recovery. Like so, the reason I tell people I have OCD is so I can tell them, I'm dealing with my OCD like I've dealt with my OCD that's how I recover I like to put my recovery on a shelf as a trophy it's not a game changer award guys but it's a pretty big deal and, um, and so I like to think of myself as recovered. recovery so I really struggled with admitting that I'm, it might be an issue again um, which is mad because everyone around me could see it was an issue again um, you know when you watch those horrible ITV dramas and everyone in the show is like I wonder who the killer is and you're like it's the famous person who hasn't had a line yet <laughs> it's obviously the famous person and they're like who? what? who could it be? (laughs) So it was just me constantly calling my mother being like, I feel anxious and awful and I'm scared to go outside and I I don't know what it is. I'm like, maybe, I don't know, is mercury rising? Like, what could it? (laughs) And she was just like, "Or, or it could be the fact that you famously have OCD, Catherine, could it be that? And I was like, I don't, I think it's, no, um, I don't think so. And I really, I really struggled with adm- admitting it. But I, um, I do. It's, it's bad. And I'm trying to deal with it. What I, what I do find hard is to explain it to other people, though. Um, so if you don't have obsessive compulsive disorder, if you don't have any intrusive thoughts, I guess what it feels like is a bit like you know if your neighbour's playing music, but then it just keeps getting incrementally louder, and someone else is trying to talk to you about their life and something interesting, important, and you're like, uh-huh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Did, what did he say? That's God, that's my. Is that, getting, is that loud? Is that very loud to you? <laughs> Except that you can't say it because no one else can hear it. So you're just the lady who first admitted to speaking to herself and now can hear music that's not playing. And, um, but I will say, trying to describe it as the, but here's how it feels. Um, if you're like me, I spent all of lockdown feeding my compulsions, raising them, nurturing them, taking care of them. They were my priority every single day. But now we have to go back to life, don't we? And so they've noticed that they're not my number one priority. So they're sort of kicking up a bit of a fuss. They're like, I'm sorry, remember when we were the focus? Can we make us the focus again? Yes. So leaving the house every day is a bit like leaving five young children. Like they scream and they kick at the door. They're like, but we're hungry. And then you go out in the hall, you can still hear them when you feel like a really bad parent. And then you get in the bus and you do have that like lingering guilt. And then all day you think, I'm sure I'm forgetting something. Um, but I think just like kids, you know, you just have to ignore, ignore, ignore. <laughs> and they'll be fine. They should raise themselves. Is that it? I don't have children. Is that right? Okay, good. Um, what I'm saying is I need this wine. I deserve this wine. And I hope you've all been very well during lockdown. And if you're not, it's a good time to do therapy because now you can go to the offices again. So you can really believe that those women have their shit together. Isn't that lovely? Yes. Okay, good. You've been very nice. See you later. Catherine Bohat, everybody.
0: Our guest today is a comedian, writer, and actress known for creating and starring in her comedy threesome, Peckheads, on BBC3, and for her incisive spoken word poetry. Please welcome to the stage and the mic, Soph Galistian!
3: Okay, um, Deborah, that was a beautiful poem, and I just want to put out there, I am a watcher. I heard what you said earlier.
0: (laughs) That's such great information to have. And doesn't make me at all feel like I'm now in a Me Too situation as your employer. <laughs> Hashtag. Yeah.
3: Um, I explore the street nervously. My key rests between my fingers purposefully. My knuckles turn white as I clench so tight. I consider ordering a taxi that I can't afford to safely deliver me to my front door, but then I panic. What if the driver likes me? I just want to get home safely. I hear footsteps behind me. I clench my fist and I grip the key tighter. Ready to apply self-defense, my legs started to shake and my shoulders were tense. A lady overtook me as she innocently walked her dog. She vanished into the night as she started to jog. Brave, I thought. I desperately wanted her to return. I wanted her to sense my concern of being a woman alone in this night. It was snowing but strangely sweat formed on my forehead. Why did walking home alone fill me with such dread? Because some men have made us feel unsafe in society. They've filled us with self-doubt and anxiety. As they shout out of their dusty vans about where they'd like to put their hands, if you ignore them, you're ungrateful. And if you entertain them well then you're shameful we're called a bitch for being assertive and we're called cute for being nervous for a man to confirm his masculinity we must highlight our societal given stupidity deprive ourselves of our strong femininity we're seen as heavenly if we still have our virginity we're only good for cooking and cleaning we must only speak when spoken to no intervening being a woman is mostly being misunderstood we're confused for weak for no good we must not forget we've got a lower social stature than a man we cannot achieve half of what he can we're weak in the body and in the mind like he can see and we are blind we've got no backbone we're too kind and if we're strong we're unrefined so get back in your lane life's no place for a woman it's a man's game we're not equal and we're not the same and if we're silent we're still the ones to blame maybe your skirt was too short he said i mean you could have said no you could have fought. Once he'd come around, you'd already gone. That's convenient. She's probably lying, attention-seeking, fake crying. Even when we wear brightly coloured shoes and we don't touch a sip of booze, men still choose to murder us. But don't worry, just flag down a bus. (laughs) But don't worry... Just flag down a bus. We know it's safer to say nothing and confirm to your gender role. Don't be too ambitious and certainly don't have goals because these men hate progression. They want us to drown amidst star repression. But times are changing. It's ours for the taking. Don't let them win and don't give in. We can't rewrite history, but we can create herstory. Enough is enough of the patriarchy. Let's introduce diversity universally. Daughter, auntie, niece, nana and mother. We're united as one, we are the other. We'll fight together, one another. I know it's a lot to digest. Thrown to the ground at a peaceful protest for speaking your mind, you're under arrest. Talking of safety, I say this with my chest. It's for your own safety, it's for the best until we stop being murdered we're never gonna rest because no amount of violence will have us silenced we are a force to be reckoned with let's show what we can give one voice, one stance and as it stands she has the world in the palm of her pretty little girly hands
0: So, Philistine everybody!
3: The American lady stood up Yeah! take a seat the american lady from wandsworth stood up guys yeah Woo. and
0: if anything she was the most reclined person in the audience so to she, get a standing over from her that she's she out the door yeah, yeah i'm loving that i'm thank loving you that. thank you so much so sorry i don't know your name and i feel banned that we're calling you she i'm so sorry the
3: american lady from wandsworth lou, so we
0: lou. Love that. are you in fact american
3: no, you're not. Absolutely not.
0: But Lou, I'm not. so sorry. No, you really are from Wandsworth. I Oh, you are riffing. Well, it, was, it worked. Wow. It worked very That's well. impressive. We believed you. Yeah, absolutely. More that's a character. That you. was amazing. That was fantastic, So Really, really, really wonderful. Um, and you were somebody, I mean, one of the reasons we picked this theme of learning and then sort of thinking, oh God, I've got to learn this again, um, is you're somebody who I think is kind of boldly powering through at the moment you're like doing stand-up you're doing performance poetry you're very young and you're doing you know why don't you know you're making like uh short episodes like sitcom episodes for BBC3 yes but in them you're dressed like a sixth former you know you're boldly bravely learning in public as a very young person so I wanted to ask you about that like what gives you the courage do you ever feel anxious and think right I'm gonna have to do it anyway what strategies are you using Yes, I do feel anxious.
3: Um, I particularly felt anxious when someone watched the pilot on BBC and said, Why is a 35 year old playing a 15 year old? Who said that? Um, an internet troll oh okay well no we take no notice of that but also um, are there
4: roles in your show going for 35 year olds because that'd be <laughs> i'd love that that's yours great. thank you um
3: great. i think like the main thing is i've grown up watching uh surprisingly i know you've just watched that piece but i do write comedy <laughs> um but i've sort of grown up and i've watched uh white straight cis men dominate that narrative for a long time so I feel like I have not only like a passion but a responsibility to put myself there Mm. um because I want other people that grew up as like northern working class for example to see themselves on tv and see themselves in screen and know that they can do those things because I think we're taught that we don't belong in those spaces so I'm trying desperately to take up that space
0: I think that's a really wonderful way of looking at it, to just say, not who am I to, but who am I not to? Because instead of going, oh, well, what if I'm no good? You're saying, if I don't take ownership of the landscape, the landscape will say the same.
3: Yeah, of course. I think you can always sit back and think, oh, this shouldn't be happening, or this should be more of this, should be more of that. I spent so long doing that, that I got to a point where I was like, I can help change that. Like, I can try and be... Mm. Like, I want to see myself in these spaces and I want to see other people like me in these spaces and nothing will encourage them more than seeing people like them doing that sort of thing, if that makes sense.
0: It does, yeah. And are you learning on the go? Do you ever think, like, oh, that crashed and burned there, but I know how to rebuild that now?
3: Uh, yeah, M- my favourite saying is, fake it till you make it. I think, like, as is, is that yours, Lou? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah thank you. It's, also why we, you it's also why we thought she was you though. american by the way yeah, yeah. i'm so, Lou. i'm so sorry <laughs> um yeah fake it till you make it i think like <laughs> i just try and be confident and nice and i think if i mess up hopefully being nice is more people can focus on that more than the mistakes i've made if that makes sense but i'm very much learning on the job um with my threesome that i did for bbc free my agent was like do a treatment and i was like google what is a treatment (laughs) so i I am i'm just sort of teaching myself and surrounding myself with people who know what the fuck is going
0: on so i can try and pick that up i mean it's whatever you're doing is working for you thank Um, you so i think that's sort of yeah just i think your attitude is such a great one which is there's no reason why i should know what a treatment is until i've been asked to write one so why am I apologising for it? I'll look it up or I'll ask a question. Yeah. And then I will know and then I'll have a go at it and they'll say, that's not right, do it again. And, and then I'll go, try ah, again. this second one. Yeah. And I always think that. Don't not do your first stand-up gig because it won't be as good as your 100th stand-up gig. Mm-hmm. Don't not do your 100th stand-up gig because it won't be as good as your 10,000th because there is no way of getting to your 10,000th without doing your first. Mm. Every comedian you love, every writer that you admire, every scientist that's, you know come up with a vaccine it's not their first go I don't think the people that came up with the vaccine I don't think it was their first go at coming up with not. science I really things.
4: hope not yeah yeah Eey. I will say though I think that idea of responsibility is a double-edged sword it's like it's so great that you're like why the hell shouldn't I but I think when you are the first in a lot of things or you are one of the first in a lot of things I, I worry that sometimes we that sense of responsibility inhibits our fun when there's a ubiquity of you, you can be any type of straight white man because you're just a comic, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have the responsibility of all these other titles or burdens. Um, how do you still find the
3: fun? Do you still find the fun? I hope you do. I <laughs> do. I look like you're having fun. <laughs> I'm just having so much fun. I okay. think because... Um, like, without being too cliche, this is like uh, what I'm doing at the moment. So, uh, writing and, and performing my own comedy and things like that is kind of what I've wanted to do for as long as I can remember so now I have the chance to do it I'm making sure that that's at the forefront of it like this is all I've ever wanted to do this needs to be the most fun and like the most important thing to me at this stage and then I can look back if I've made a mistake or been shit in 10 years time and gone god that was fucking shit but at the time I've had such an incredible experience you know I'm trying to like take it as it comes if that Mm -hmm. makes sense yes if at least
0: if you enjoy it you've got the enjoyment banked so if you do look back and go that wasn't as good as this it doesn't matter because your enjoyment is banked and I think you learn more from things you enjoy than things you the anxiety can inhibit the process not that we can sometimes help having anxiety
4: yeah
0: Catherine in terms of that learning something again like that that we were talking about today what have you found during the pandemic that you've had to that you thought you'd conquered and then oh Blind sides you.
4: I mean, e- everything that everything life. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I genuinely have wondered if lockdown was easier for pessimists or optimists a lot during lockdown. Because I feel like at the start it was worst for my friends with hope. Mm. And they were shocked. Absolutely shocked <laughs> the whole time. They were like, Can you believe this is happening? Whereas myself and other pessimists were like, I mean. Yeah.
0: Yeah, one of my this friends all checks out. Yeah, sure. Yeah, one yeah. of my friends who's had anxiety for years said it's I was finally happened and I was right. Yeah. And she was sort of yeah. like it's happened. It's yeah. happened. I told you. Yeah. I told you and you didn't believe I was always like come on it's going to be great and she was always like told well, you. She was yeah, mm-hmm. she said she kind of relaxed because she was like it's it's happened. Yeah. And I think I mean certainly the first 6 weeks was a arrest no for me i was (laughs) i was like sleepy sleepy no 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 i was i i i I was all i can describe it as i was withdrawing from the caffeine of humanity and i had like oh i was i was a disaster zone i was like
4: oh i grew into my disaster because it turns out i'm not a pessimist i'm a nihilist and the problem with nihilism is that you it does assume things will end so I was like, yeah, this checks out. But then by day 365, I was like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> I think we get the gist, don't we? Um, but I, so there was that, uh, the sense of my sense of the world um, and ha- where w- what levels of control we have. Also that I thought I was recovered from OCD. Turns out it's still uh, lurking there. My partner of five years left me. So uh, my place or my surety in the reality I was living in changed. Um, also one thing that came up for me a lot in lockdown that I think is a lesson that you spoke to in your poem that I think women have to people have to learn all the time is like every time I get to a place where I think I'm like I'm good with my body you know what I'm good with it it changes
5: Mm.
4: or the rules change um or the measurements of good change like I grew up with like heroin chic being Mm. good and now it's not that it's like curvy but only in the right places and Overnight, you suddenly had to have a science degree to learn how to wash your face. I don't know how to wash my face. Um, well, how do we wash her? Genuinely, everyone I speak to is like, oh, do you have the following 17 acids in your... I'm like, I don't... I just was... Are we... Is, is clean no good? Um, so, uh, so that came up. And then a sense of aging... In, when it felt like we were wasting time. Do you want me to keep listing anxiety? No, no, Should I stop
0: now? I should stop now. No, I think everybody's really enjoying it because I can hear people going, yes, yes, yes. I've thought several times in my life that I'd come to this point where, because I was in a cult when I was younger, I felt so many times in my life, well, now I really have. No, I've cut tight. The umbilical cord is cut. That will never come out and blindside me again. I am over that trauma. And what I have realized having therapy in lockdown, and I loved the Zoom, by the way, because I don't like having to go to therapist houses. I'm not interested in that at all. So I love Zoom therapy because it can't be lame. What? Because that's what they make you do in North London. Yeah, they make you go to their house. And it's always a really expensive house and it makes you feel shit. Um, But. I, so I love Zoom therapy, love oh, Zoom therapy. I'm sure they're brilliant, please don't write in. If you're a nice North London, London therapist, therapy. you are the exception and you're amazing. Don't write in, don't write in, don't write <laughs> in. Because I know most, many, and many and most therapists are incredible. Scut. I had a couple of tough ones, but not maybe just not <laughs> the right match. Anyway, the point is I love Zoom therapy, but I learnt I will never be over the trauma. And that's such a revelation in itself. It's like, no, no, it'll visit you in different ways and you are getting stronger and you're much better than you were, but you will die with it yeah and that's so relaxing because I don't have to get over it I can yeah. just manage it and I can just expect it to come up again and that's okay it's just part of me it's all part of the soup as yeah I
3: think it's weird to think that it goes I, I've had the same therapist since I was 14 so <gasps> I'm so
0: oh my god you're just so lucky yeah
3: so 11 years I've had my therapist and we still speak now why, why are you laughing at that <laughs> I'm having a reaction.
0: Are you having a reaction? 14 to
3: 25. 14 to 25, yeah. Uh, Woo. And we still talk about the same things that affected me when I was 14 that still affect me today, even though I've had 11 years of therapy. Do you think if you've got a new therapist, you get new problems? (laughs) Well, my therapist did say, like, are you, you know, is this working for
0: you? (laughs) But have you... Are you working at them at a higher level or from a different angle? Because I think that's the best that can be expected.
3: Yeah, I think in um, uncovering like the trauma, I'm learning more and more about myself, which I'm starting to learn. That's what therapy is about. Mm. It's not about like fixing your problems. It's about learning about yourself.
0: (laughs) thank you for coming to my TED talk yeah Um, that's what it is isn't it it's about deconstructing it so you can see it more clearly and step back from it and know when oh that's that happening now you don't go to therapy so that they fix it and it's over and it's done with no I am going to die with a full inbox yeah I've accepted that yeah my emails will never be done I will die with a full inbox some people will never be responded to never
4: and but I lied. Th- does
0: it cost hundred and twenty pounds, Deborah? <laughs> uh,
3: well, I don't that know. That should be fix money. <laughs> fix me. I fix feel this. like I feel like I should clarify. My therapist doesn't charge me. Oh. Is she well, your auntie? drop. <laughs> she's my mum. Yeah. No, she's not. Um, no, I think because... Why does your therapist not charge you? So basically, she was my counsellor in high school, and now we does have... Does she a, get you vodka? <laughs> she, Catherine, she does get me vodka. Um, now we have a really nice relationship, and her deal is she really believes in me and thinks I'm going to be really rich and famous one day. Yeah. So we've got a deal that when I'm very... Uh, rich and famous I'll just give her a big fat wad of cash for the therapy she's given me over the last 20 years well you're just going to back up a truck of cash and go
0: you've earned this you've earned it Yeah. Yeah. without you I wouldn't be here I wouldn't have all this money to drop off in one go 100
4: so the rest of us are meant to go to therapy knowing that our therapist does not believe
0: (laughs) sorry (laughs) is that what are meant to do wow Yeah, my my therapist. I I feel my therapist has a good amount of faith in me, but she doesn't. Look, I'm not 25. She doesn't think she, she, in a very real way, she does not believe in me the way Sophie's therapist believes in her. To some way down the line, just said I can't let her down now. Otherwise, I'll be in a fucking massive load of debt. (laughs) I mean, listen, I love that, and I love that she's doing that, and it's a real commitment. I wonder how many lessons feminists learn each generation that the last generation learned and then we have to learn again from scratch because I feel like your amazing poem actually could have been performed in the 60s in a beatnik poetry cafe in Greenwich Village. Yeah. Probably not the flag down a bus bit, topical, but that (laughs) idea, like I feel like sometimes we should spend time with older feminists and ask them... How can we cut to the end a bit? I rather worry, and this might be a bit controversial to say, I rather worry that young intersectional feminists feel we've invented, reinvented the form so much that that older generation, it was sort of almost a different thing. And I think we would not be here without that generation. And I wonder if we need to collaborate more and build more bridges or be... I don't know. We just had we had Rebecca Johnson on the other night, who was one of the Greenham Common women, and I feel like I learned so much from her but and of, from her energy.
4: Of course, we do. We start. We absolutely do owe a huge debt and could learn loads. I think the problem is that to the same degree that you have like, like the loudest voice often gets the most attention. I think the problem is the loudest, experienced feminists, make it pretty tricky. Do you know, like, and I think, like, for example, I think the queer movement could do a huge amount of learning as well from our past lessons, but somehow we don't because, so I think the problem with like, intersectional feminism is that it, it does demand inclusivity and when you have like some of the loudest voices for more experienced feminism to being like trans exclusionary or mm-hmm. and, and that's not universally true right but the loudest no. voice being mm-hmm. that is this sort of like well we've we've been we, this is a new movement it's modern when actually obviously efficacy wise we could absolutely learn a huge amount from our forebearers and i think
0: but I think similarly, and there like, are trans women of that generation, and women who work shoulder to shoulder with them. Oh
4: my God, this is—I the, the,
0: mean, there in, are lots of Gloria the, Steinem's who are totally trans inclusive in the queer movement. I mean, if you look, if
4: you go back, what, all you lear, all you learn is that we are indebted to trans people. Like, yeah. uh, like fundamentally, all of us are indebted to trans people uh, in in our community, and 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 yet we just have a complete. But the, but the loudest voices in the anti trans movement right now are not. Queer people they're often cis men who used to write really funny priest jokes, and that's sad, mm. um, so yeah i don 't know yeah. yes is the answer, but also we I think we need to find be able to be be more discerning and mm-hmm. give platforms to people who are worthy of them
3: yes
0: <laughs> but of so course, we,
4: of course we could learn
0: of yeah. course we I, could d- learn. I just
4: wonder if this is the not same more problem.
0: intergenerational discussion and bridge building do you know what i mean i wonder am i wrong about this should i cut this out of the podcast am i going to get a load of emails going it's literally the same old shit
4: we still can't walk down the street we still can't not get murdered we still can't not be abused we still can't earn the same amount of money people who've been dealing with that for longer presumably know all the
0: the obstacles to dealing with it and possibly what's been most effective of course i don't Mm. think that should be cut out of the podcast i don't know what do you guys think about this i'm sort of just trying to get a bit braver about what i say sometimes and just go it worries me sometimes that I feel like we're not reaching back enough, and I think I might need to start getting some more older feminists on the podcast and say, "What can you teach us?"
4: But feminism is ageist because society is ageist because the reason Gloria Steinem was the perfect feminist at the time was because she was hot as well as being brilliant. She was, and there is no denying that she absolutely was. The reason Dolly did so much for feminism was because she made the boob joke before you did, and then she made her point. Like the, we love as a materialist society, we love attractive women telling us that women deserve rights. We don't love unattractive women making but us feel bad.
0: It's true, and by unattractive, we are of course meaning stereotypically billboard patriarchal by every patriarchal, patriarchal standard, one hundred percent.
4: But it's yeah. also, but it's also why, like let's have some self awareness. It's also why I'm an acceptable queer woman in the eyes of people who don't often think that queerness looks like me.
3: You and I both.
4: Yeah. Right? It's like a palatable version of lesbianism. It's certainly is, why you've yeah. both
0: been booked tonight.
3: Thank you. Thank you very much. That means the world. Good night. Thank you. Thank you. It's, the, it's the opposite end. So I think for a lot of people that aren't queer, tend to understand homophobia. But on the opposite end of the spectrum to that is the people that like fantasize about a certain looking queer person, mm-hmm. which a lot of people don't take into account as being a form of homophobia. Yeah. Like some men, for example, will fantasize about a very conventionally attractive lesbian. And that, for me, is just as bad as somebody being outwardly homophobic to me. Like it's just, they may as well you have You mean just the been.
0: fetishization of... Of, of, of lesbians and, and gay people.
3: Yeah, yeah. Hundred percent. It's just as bad, if not worse, and it happens a lot more often for me, anyway. I don't think I've, uh, thankfully, I've never been like homophobically targeted, but I have had the opposite end where I've been like fantasized about and, and fetishized by, you know, men, and and that for me is just as
0: horrible. Yeah, I understand what you mean. I feel like society, to our theme society keeps on learning the same lessons again and it feels like when we get round and it comes out of living memory it's like we have to start again but hopefully we are starting from a surer foot in a way we're starting higher up the mountain that's what i feel it's like like when i was i've been looking into like queer rights recently new york the state of new york 1980 it was legalized it was decriminalized yeah. to be gay i mean 19 19- Fucking eighty here. It was only like 60 67? It 67 It was sixty. It was later in that Ireland. That long ago. Yeah. Well, yeah. It was only probably last Wednesday in Ireland. To be fair, <laughs> not to be rude, but
4: we have to get the grannies, grannies <laughs> on side. They're all on board now, okay? <laughs> and you know what? They're praying for you, Deborah. Here's the thing. I would think that um, it's not just it's not just an ageist thing. It's a classes thing, right? It's a it's a race issue. I mean, I think you're right. We're starting further up the hill if you're a white feminist. But that's why we we have to learn from other communities who are not the vocal center point for feminism. Because yes, it's further up the Like, there are issues being a queer person or a woman now, but like, being a white woman is pretty much a golden ticket compared to so many other groups. And it's a, whi- true. a white middle class woman, you have so much privilege. Like, what is top of the priority list for most white middle class feminists would look quite different to even just white working class feminists never mind further and further otherness mm-hmm. um, so yes but I think it's like it,
0: we, we have to have perspective it's, it's true, white women are the least criminalised group in the world Yeah, it's true, uh, there is no mule like a white woman who doesn't know she's carrying <laughs> because your nerves can't even give you away so if you as a white woman and I'm not saying this has happened to me and I'm not saying it hasn't <laughs> But if you were carrying a small amount for personal use and you didn't know you had it on you because you forgot I mean, that it was in that evening bag, <laughs> no one will check. They because won't check. you're
4: changing the game, guys. You're changing the game. It's a big night because out.
0: Because you are a fucking game changer. <laughs> yeah. And that's why you end up with a trophy. Yeah. Um, ultimately, you get that award. I think we might have missed the turn-off gang. Um, yeah, I think so. <laughs> can I just say, though, a big shout-out to... Is Helen Lederer in tonight? She thought, she said, apologies. Okay, well, a big shout-out to her anyway. Then fuck Helen Lederer. No. A big shout-out to her, because she has started and run those awards for three years, and she's really trying to draw attention uh, to women in the industry who are being overlooked. And she does these amazing awards for, like, unpublished novels. And then the novels get published because she has this incredible raft of judges cool. and nice. yeah somebody won an award last night and it was, she was like i can give up my job at the job center now which i fucking hate and oh. you know all stuff like that and I, so i just think you know helen ledger is of an older generation and she is still there bringing up younger women and going look 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 we can't believe we're still having to say you know look at the talent but we are and it is there is something really in, extraordinary about that so what I'm trying to say is I want to just be understanding that the slingshot that those feminists pulled back, that trajectory is here. Old women value, those, lads. Yeah, but a lot of those That's women... That's the takeaway from the guilty feminist. Tonight. <laughs> no, but, you know, a lot of those women are, are women of colour and are trans women and are lesbians and are like, you know, there's, it is... So I'm just saying let's personally learn from our mistakes cyclically, but let's try and go up the mountain And let's try and take our movement up the mountain with us and not reinvent the wheel. Love that. Woo! Reasonable. Um, Sophie's going to close us out with a bow of Sophie, Lusty, and everyone. (sighs) Neve,
3: this one's for you. Gillette. I stepped out of my pants and I couldn't see the floor. This mountain of hair was all I saw. (laughs) Curly and black from the front to the back. It's getting out of hand, so I picked up a razor. Gillette was the brand. I felt the sharpness of the blade with my shaking hand. It was my brother's to shave his face. If he knew where it was going, he'd be disgraced. So I locked the bathroom door and I stepped into the water, legs either side of the tub. I got the soap and I started to rub. Bubbles mask my hair, it's time. I slowly glide the razor with care. Upwards against the root, I'm in the pursuit of a smooth finish. Time went slowly, it had been five minutes. I think the top is done. Time to tackle the underneath, through to my bum. (laughs) the internet said be careful with the lips it'll bleed like a bitch and that I soon discovered as the razor uncovered my first layer of skin blood mixed with water created this thin murky red and it bled and it bled and I thought shit, I'm gonna have to tell my mum, I'm gonna have to admit to using my brother's Gillette I jumped out of the bath with speed and I pressed on some toilet roll to try and stop the bleed I glanced down and I was disappointed with my first attempt. It was far from exempt. Uh, Patches of hair, short to long, I'd really fucked it up. I'd definitely done it wrong. But I wish I knew that body hair is beautiful, Neve. (laughs) <laughs> it's natural for a woman. It's supposed to suit you. Instead, I gave in to a societal expectation. I shouldn't have to remove my hair to achieve self-justification. Having body hair and being a woman should have a positive correlation. So let's end the negative stigmatization, Neve. Thank you,
0: <clears> to <throat> <So>, see <Phyllis>, Everybody, <laughs> Sophie, do you have anything to plug?
3: Um, yeah, so my comedy threesome is currently available on BBC iPlayer. Um it's called Peckheads and it's about three uh working class young women going through puberty and friendships and all the other things, lovely things that women go through. It's like three
0: minute episodes, yeah?
3: Three minute episodes, yeah, three three-minute episodes. And if you enjoyed my poetry, you can check me out on Instagram. Um, at South glustium um and there's a whole library of of interesting poems on there thank you very much so Catherine bohart do you have anything yeah. to plug um
4: i have a podcast it's called trusty hogs so reliable pigs is a good way to remember it at uh, trusty hogs uh, i have that and also um i'm doing a show here um at Saho theater from the End of February, 28th of February to the 12th of March. I'm two weeks downstairs. It's called This Isn't For You, um, but I would like you to come. (laughs) Um, And uh, and it's a stand-up show, and I think it's going to be... I hope it's gonna be my best because well otherwise I'm just getting worried sometimes. So, yeah, it should be it's here. And um, yeah, it's here and you can uh, you can buy tickets on your way out, no pressure. Um,
0: but yes. Also, on December sixteenth, tickets are just about to go on sale for an incredible show called Camp as Christmas. I'm co-hosting with Tom Allen. Yes, um, yes I know. Sandy Tox on the bill. What? Ooh. I know. And it is a fundraiser for an LGBTQ refugee group run for and by refugees running from homophobic violence, criminalization. And the other half of the money is going to Kandu, which is alarming Syrian schools. It's a big queer celebration. Um, and we've got some amazing auction things that we're auctioning off as well. There's a couple of special guests I can't tell you about, but they're really, really exciting. I'm not allowed to announce them yet. And I may not be able to announce them before the night. Wow. That's how exciting they are. <laughs> and I've already announced wow. Sandy Talks We week, have so to be
3: there. Queer. The,
4: uh, I yeah,
0: I mean, I'm so excited about it. So it's December 16th. I think tickets are going to sell out pretty quickly. Where is it, Deborah? The Union Chapel in Islington. Where do we buy tickets, Deborah? Um, uh, <laughs> well, if you go to guiltyfeminist.com, um, but it, there's some really exciting guests. I, I can't tell you. I can't tell you. Um, but I can't tell you. But I'm just. <laughs> Uh, can we to, but it's going to it's going to be a, it's going to be a really great night also uh, we've got some other shows coming up we've got one in December Cathy Let at the Globe Theatre but not the freezing cold outdoor one the indoor winter one but it's beautiful Elizabethan and when the candles burn down the show is over um, I know it's lovely um, unlike here where we've run over so uh, <laughs> I'm really sorry in anticipation uh, but there are other shows check them out on the website guiltyfeminist.com also check out all the other exciting exciting action we've got some new podcasts coming out um, all sorts of exciting things so join our mailing list if you'd like to know more about any of those things um, you can do that online should Lou plug now? should Lou what? sorry? Lou do you have anything to plug? Lou <laughs> Oh, thank you. She's a good gal. She just said thanks. Br- bring more yeah. people from Once Birth back to our Soho Theatre shows. Um, yes. And a big shout out to everyone else who participated tonight um, Catherine, Neve, um, anyone else who participated whose name I didn't get. You're all amazing.
4: Carrot to the girls, lady.
0: Yeah, thank you. Woo. Oh, thank you. A big round of applause for Amy in the lighting booth. Yes. It's really lovely to be back out. Um, please continue to jo- join us for shows. Next year, we're going to have a new raft of shows. We're going to have some Guilty Famous book club nights. We're going to have some Guilty Famous forums where we try and nut out problems, answers to problems, and get different minds on the job. We're going to have some comedy classics, which just funny, 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 just funsies. That sounds great. Um, we're going to have a lot of different sorts. Uh, I feel like we- you're going to
4: have to work on nut out as a. Mm. <laughs> we can workshop it after
0: that's <laughs> that's what she said um, oh, uh, so please sorry please come come out again now we can you know tell your friends um, we want to rebuild the Guilty Feminist live community after we've all been in hibernation um, I want to say thank you to everyone who came out tonight and, and your joy your participation your interest your outrage everything that you've brought into the room we really love it it means so much to us and a big 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 round of applause and thank you to Soho Theatre <laughs> Soph Galistian Catherine Bohart your good selves for coming I've been Deborah Francis White we've been The Guilty Feminist night. you have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me Deborah Francis White guest girl is Catherine Bohart now very special guest Soph Galistian Recording engineer was Chris Sharp. The music is by Mark Hodge. Producer was Tom Salinski for Spontaneous Shop. And thanks to Rachel Craftman, June DCO and everyone at Sony Theatre, as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com. I'm a feminist. Oh, is it you or is it me?
4: No, me. I'll be a feminist. No, I'm, oh, I, I did do the yeah. task rabbit. I'll, I'll yeah, go okay. back and then you. Well, I didn't. I should have.
0: Maybe
4: I, maybe I could be one. I'd get more credit. Go on. <laughs> if my girlfriend doesn't come back, I'm going to be a task rabbit. <laughs>
0: The Guilty Feminist is provided exclusively from ACAST. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Just before we go, I want to introduce you to a new podcast I'm going to be doing with John Burko. John's the Speaker of the House of Commons for many years. You might remember him for his trademark order. Over this 10 week series, I'm going to be grilling him about how our system of government actually works because nobody really understands our parliament better. What is a whip? How can I get a backbencher? put forward a private member's bill, the way Gina Martin did with the upskirting bill. Um, And who actually has the power anyway? Absolute Power with John Burko, will be available wherever you get your podcast starting on the 8th of December. And you can hear the first 10 minutes of episode one right now.
6: Britain has one of the oldest systems of government in the entire world, But nobody sat down and planned that system. It's composed of numerous bits and pieces cobbled together over hundreds of years as the need arose. I'm John Burko, and for ten years I was the Speaker of the House of Commons. I've seen our system of government at its best and at its worst, and I'm fascinated by who gets to operate the levers of power and what people do with them. In this series, with the help of Deborah Francis White, I'll be looking at different aspects of our modern democracy, how they began, how they work, and how much influence each of them has. And we'll try to answer the question, where does power really come from? This is Absolute Power.
0: Hello to all of you listening on Her Majesty's Internet. I'm sitting here with former Speaker of the House of Commons, John Burko. Hello, John.
6: Hello. Good afternoon to you, Deborah.
0: This is the first episode of our new podcast, Absolute Power, in which John is going to be my guide through all of the bits and pieces of our great British democracy. You might be putting the great inadverted commas, listeners, I don't know. Uh, John, welcome to the world of podcasting.
6: Thank you. I'm delighted to dip my toes in the water. And I hope you feel the same at the end.
0: Yes, well, we'll I'll let you know, but prob- probably off air. Indeed. Uh, now, on this first episode, we're going to be talking about a role, which you know very well indeed, John, because you were in it for 10 years. It's the Speaker of the House of Commons. John's the most famous Speaker of the House of Commons, I would say, in our in our time. That's fair, isn't it, John?
6: You well, sort of. some if- people would insert the letters I-N in front of the famous, and some...
0: <laughs> Would not i think i think I think you were much enjoyed by the British public,
6: oh, thank you. you say all the right things deborah. i'm tempted to continue this conversation indefinitely
0: <laughs> you you sort of trademarked the word order in a way order. <laughs> exactly it's it 's uncanny uh, and so lifelike uh, some of your what what are seen on YouTube as your best put downs include um, and I quote them here that sticker on the subject of Brexit happens to be affixed to or in the windscreen of my wife's car. Yes, and I'm sure the honourable gentleman wouldn't suggest for one moment that a wife is somehow the property or chattel of her husband.' That one particularly endeared me to you Thank you John as a I am a well-known feminist indeed uh, another of your more famous quotes, Mr. Angus Brendan McNeil, calm yourself. you may be a cheeky chappy, but you are also an exceptionally noisy one indeed After the imposition of the migrant ban I am this is my favorite now this is my favorite. And this is when you really won me over, John. After the imposition of the migrant ban, I am even more strongly opposed to an address by President Trump in Westminster Hall. Quite so. There was so much cheering when you said that.
6: Well, thank you. I felt very strongly about it. It wasn't something contrived long in advance as a statement. It was a series of words uttered by me in response, if memory serves me correctly, to a point of order Mm -hmm. from a Labour MP from Cardiff, Cardiff South and Penarth, Stephen Doughty. And looking back, as I've very occasionally done, I'm reminded that I didn't have any notes or text in front of me. I simply sought to respond to his inquiry about how these visits were planned and what the arrangements would be, what the sort of guiding principles were as to whether such a visit should or shouldn't take place. And I tried to talk him through the procedure, but I did in the process make it clear that I myself was strongly opposed to a visit. And as you say, there was a notable reaction. I mean, there was hostile reaction as well because you can't please everybody. And all I can say is that it fell within my bailiwick to take a view on the matter. And having taken a view on the matter, I thought it was sensible to express it.
0: Can I just, should I just reverse there? It fell within your? Bailiwick. What what is that word? It sounds quite (laughs) Hogwarts. Remit. Right. Okay. Is that is, that, is that a, is that a common a common word in Parliament?
6: It is probably
0: not a common word,
6: and it is no doubt mm-hmm. an early example in this exchange, Deborah, mm-hmm. of my eccentricity. <laughs>
0: Well, listen. I'll be using Bailiwick the whole time, and it actually, listeners, if you could start to make Bailiwick happen, we'd really appreciate it. Could you get Bailiwick you trending? Uh, could
6: we? Oh,
1: we've only
0: been gag about five
6: minutes, and I'm being roundly ridiculed and teased. <gasps> no, I'm. I'm lo- I love very formative I love words, I love words like
0: Bailiwick and I will be using it. And I am genuinely saying, <laughs> let's make Bailiwick happen. People at home who've watched Prime Minister's Questions or other footage of Parliament will have seen you or your successor or your predecessor sitting at one end of the chamber and deciding who gets to speak. So if you're listening internationally, it looks like a sort of dining hall at a boys private school. Very rowdy, lots of people shouting things and somebody needs to keep order. Somebody needs to be in charge of that and saying, look, this is just getting too rowdy and somebody needs to say who gets to speak now, who gets right of way. Somebody needs to conduct the traffic, if you will. Yes. That person was you. So can I ask...
6: I'm not sure I altogether appreciate the comparison with a traffic warden.
0: (laughs) I'm not saying warden. I mean, I know politicians aren't very
6: popular, but it has to be said that traffic wardens aren't universally (laughs) popular either. But nevertheless, there is a resemblance.
0: I don't think a traffic warden... I think I prefer
6: umpire or referee, (laughs) but I maybe don't get to pick. You are the arbiter.
0: I'm thinking of more of one of those old-fashioned traffic directors, you know, with white gloves. Not, oh, traffic, yes. not somebody who comes and gives you a ticket, but somebody who stands in the middle and conducts, like, a, like an orchestra conductor. Oh, That's well, more flattering, oh, isn't it?
6: very much more flattering. Very much warming to this.
0: <laughs> so can you give me the headlines of what is the role of the speaker and what responsibilities does that speaker have?
6: Initially, the speaker was so called because he, and it was always a he, was expected to be the king's spokesman to parliament. That is to say, he had the responsibility to communicate, upon pain of death, to parliament the wishes, and in some cases perhaps even the demands, of the king. The story of the evolution of our history from a very powerful monarchy to a modern democracy means that today... The Speaker is not the Queen's spokesman to Parliament, but rather Parliament's spokesman...
0: Person. Spokesperson to the Queen. Spokesperson
6: to the Queen, exactly. And so the responsibility of the Speaker is to communicate to Her Majesty what Parliament has decided, what acts, for example, it has passed, which await her royal assent, but which is understood in the modern context to be a constitutional necessity, but also a constitutional formality. What is the Speaker's job, in a nutshell, to keep order, encourage people to take part, and try to cut down on the number of people excluded altogether as a result of bad behaviour? Questions are the result of an electronic ballot, which is conducted independently of and without any involvement by the Speaker. And if they're drawn in the ballots, then they're on the order paper, that is to say, the agenda, the list of questioners Mm -hmm. for the day. But aside from those people, Deborah, drawn lucky in the ballot, there is scope for supplementary questions by other members of Parliament.
0: So just to be clear, who's asking these questions and who is answering these questions?
6: overwhelmingly, people asking the questions are members of parliament, but they are not, repeat not, repeat not, members of the government. And the people answering the questions are, repeat are, repeat are, members of the government. The reason I underline that is that it really speaks to the essence of parliamentary democracy, which is about the accountability of government, of what we often call the executive branch of our political system, to parliament, to the legislature.
0: And so you won't see members of government asking questions because they should be able to do that in the meetings they have.
6: Yes. Ministers have their own opportunity to raise matters of concern, for example, to their constituents with their ministerial colleagues either in private meetings or conversations or in correspondence. And actually, that's true of the Speaker as well. The Speaker doesn't ask questions in the Chamber of Ministers. And people often used to say, Mr Speaker, how do you, given that you're the Speaker, represent your constituents? How can you ask questions, given that you're not allowed to ask questions in the Chamber? I'd like to know
0: that too, because if I were in your constituency and you had to remain neutral the whole time, I'd be slightly annoyed.
6: Yes, I totally get that, Deborah. And you would be amongst a very large number of people in the Buckingham constituency, (laughs) by no means all personally hostile to me at all, who did feel that way. My answer was and remains that I represented my constituents in correspondence with ministers and in meetings with ministers. And I remember remarking to my... Private secretary, that I was very struck by the speed with which these ministers were replying and by their seniority. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, Oh, there's no surprise about that, Mr. Speaker. It's a mark of very considerable disgrace if a minister so hacks off the speaker that the speaker demands to see the minister to remonstrate. So I, struck by this, said, Oh, I see. So if I were annoyed with Jack, I'd go to see him at the Ministry of Justice, would I, to complain? To which he instantly replied, no, Mr Speaker, in those circumstances, you don't go to the Minister of Justice to see Mr Secretary Straw. Mr Secretary Straw comes to see you in Speaker's house for a meeting without coffee. <laughs> now that never happened, Deborah. That never happened, to be no. fair.
0: Absolute Power is part of the ACAST Creator Network and the House of the Guilty Feminist. For more information, visit AbsolutePowerPodcast.com.
2: Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5.